Good afternoon. I am uh, Srini Gurapu. I am the Chief Evangelist and Vice President of Customer Solutions for McAfee Cloud Business Unit, formerly Skyhigh Networks. I'm super thrilled to have Carrie Lovskowski. Did I say it right? You said it right. Yeah. And from US Bank. And what we're going to do is uh, share our experiences in how to secure your workloads in Amazon Web Services. Now, Carrie, if you want to introduce yourself about your background. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Carrie Laskowski. Um, I work at US Bank. Um, I've worked in the financial industry for over 20 years. Um, my background, though, is in database administration. I was a DBA. I loved being a DBA. Um, I worked on mainframe. I worked on SQL Server, Oracle. Um, I thought that was going to be my career until I retired. Um, and then someone tapped me on the shoulder and asked me if I was interested in security. Um, and I was. And my idea of what security was, um, I had been very interested in that. Um, and so database administration was my bridge into security. Um, I moved into the security less than four years ago. Um, and I started out working on database activity monitoring tools and securing databases. Um, my idea of security was not accurate at all. <laughs> so uh, about my background, you know, I've been in the security industry for the past 20 years. You know, I was uh, very fortunate to be in part of building companies such as you know, Blue Coat and Neotris and Juniper and, and FireEye. But the last five years have been very transformational for me, you know, working with uh, companies such as US Bank and, and uh, large financials, healthcare, and so on and so forth, because it's all about you know, cloud. And every organization, and in fact, interestingly, when I used to talk to customers, until about three years ago, every customer said cloud meant hell no. Nobody wanted to move to the cloud. And the reason was security. Now, when I you know, have conversations <laughs> with you know, Carrie and other practitioners, in fact, many of them are moving to the cloud because of security. And that's a tremendous change. So what we're going to do today is um, you know, focus, uh, focus a little bit on what is the public cloud represent in every organization, particularly uh, in the context of US Bank. And then talk about what are some of the security considerations that all of us are dealing with. You know, cloud is a totally, totally new thing for many of us. You know, what are the security considerations? And then talk about you know, what is the holistic approach? You know, what are the different things that we need to be looking at as you are making the, the cloud journey? What are the different aspects that you need to look at? And what we are going to share is our own empirical experiences. This is not an architecture slide. We're going to have as much of an interactive discussion, share our experiences on what worked, what did not work, so that you could take back something you know, in your own journey as you are you know, moving to pub public cloud. So um, you know, many of us, you know, when, when we are at the reInvent show, I was overwhelmed. In fact, you know, AWS started as an IT as a sorry, infrastructure as a service. But when you look at the keynotes and look at all the products that AWS or the Amazon offers, it's almost like every IT function is now delivered as a service. IAS is no longer infrastructure as a service, but rather is IT as a service. So on that note, if you look at the last 30 to 40 years, how has IT changed, or what are the different disruptions that happened? You know, about 30 years ago, the shift from the mainframe to the PCs, you know, cost computing made available to everyone on our every desk, in every home, and every you know office chair. And that really created new type of security challenges. Now suddenly everybody had to focus on how to secure your data on all these different hosts and the endpoints. And that created new endpoint security markets. And then the next major shift in the IT was the internet. You know, we were all connecting to the internet so that we can communicate and collaborate with each other. But that brought new security challenges. Every organization had to focus on how to secure themselves from internet-borne threats. And that's where new security products like NextGen Firewall or Secure Web Gateway with companies like Checkpoint and um, uh, Palo Alto Networks came into the play. And the focus was URL filtering or you know, um, you know, sandboxing and anti-malware and so on and so forth. Now we are probably in the greatest IT shift, that's cloud. And if you pass on the term cloud, what does it actually mean? It means, very simply, your applications and your data on somebody else's premise. That's very loosely, that's how we can look at the, in the cloud as. Until now, our security practices have been based on the notion that 
We owned our infrastructure. We owned our perimeter. So we were doing what I refer to as infrastructure security, securing the endpoints, securing the edges, securing the perimeter. But we were not really doing the real information security, like securing the identity or securing the data. Move to the cloud, we don't have a choice because you don't own the infrastructure anymore. You're responsible for your applications and your data. And this, to me, is the greatest opportunity for all of us to do the security right. Move to the cloud is giving organizations like US Bank to understand their data better, to understand their identities better, to understand their user behaviors better, to understand their applications, and start securing them. So this is the opportunity that we are excited about, and that also means we as security practitioners, we need to start looking at different frameworks, new architectures, in how we secure our workloads in the, in the cloud. And if you look at the term cloud, how does cloud manifest in every organization? For every organization, cloud has three manifestations. The first one is what we refer to as shadow IT. These are the cloud services, whether it's a SaaS or, um, or you know, public you know, cloud instances that your employees or partners bring into your organization without explicit IT approval. That's the first manifestation. We all have that. And the second one is what I refer to as business SaaS or the sanctioned services with you know, tools like you know, enterprise you know, email service like an Office 365, Salesforce, ServiceNow, Workday. All of us have rapidly growing number of SaaS services. And the third one is public cloud, like AWS. And if you look deeply into all these clouds and the way that data and applications are being used, about 50% of the data consumption happens east-west, no longer north-south. What that also implies is the traditional way of we've been, the traditional way of how we've been doing security of creating a choke point, typically at the perimeter, to look at all your north-south traffic no longer works. Very simply, go to Office 365, OneDrive, and right-click on Share. You know, it doesn't go through anybody's network. And same thing, you know, within your VPC, you know, the applications, inter-applications traffic, it doesn't go through anybody's network. So we need to have a different way of, you know, securing, um, securing your workloads. And the second thing is, across the three manifestations, you know, if you look at the Gartner, when they talk to, um, the thousands of you know, companies, what they are noticing is the IAS component, the public cloud spending is actually growing much faster or the, the usage is growing much faster than, than the SaaS. So now that we are in that situation, so I'm gonna ask you know, Karim. So Karim, you know, when I look at, when I talk to companies about the cloud journey, so in, in many of the organizations, the cloud journey is led by, or, or the cloud journey is, you know, some people have an approach of, you know, we are cloud first, we are only cloud only, or we are, you know, cl selective cloud, or some customers are still in the notion of cloud is not good for us. <laughs> so where are you in terms of your cloud journey? It's, a, it's an interesting journey for sure. Um, <clears throat> when I first started, I guess, really learning about cloud, it was about three years ago, um, I definitely was like, no, we're not going to use cloud. I don't want my data in the cloud. I was very, very scared of it. Um, and I thought that was the beginning of cloud. Um, we had Lotus Notes, and we were converting to Office 365, and that was no more than three years ago. Um, I think we were one of the last companies with Lotus Notes. Um, but moving to Office 365, you know, I'm new to security, and now I'm aware that this is cloud. This isn't just email. This is now we're in the cloud and trying to educate our employees that this is a cloud product. Um, so we moved into Office 365, first with our CASB, and we implemented CASB, um, and then we implemented Shadow IT. And then I had the awareness that like, okay, Office 365 isn't our first cloud implementation. There is a lot more going on. Things like, people laugh at this, but I didn't think of Salesforce as a cloud application. I had no idea how important it was to our company um, and, and how much it's used. Mm. I learned that from Shadow IT. And so by looking at that data, I learned so much more about how Cloud is used, um, some of it legitimately and some of it not. Um, and at the same time, as that was happening, we had our infrastructure teams, our development teams, they're really the ones that pushed us over the top. Um, I would love to say that the security was leading the way. It's not true, not for us anyway. Um, we, we had to catch up. 
Um, and it was really the infrastructure teams that were moving it forward. Um, and then we caught up and then we're on board. And now we are working together. We're all as one team. I see. So do you now uh, characterize the US Bank's cloud journey as are you cloud first? Or do you have any aspirations to be cloud only for the, for the applications on the infrastructure side? Or is it only selective? I'm going to say it's selective. I think different people would give you a different answer. Um, I think there's absolutely a goal of cloud first. Mm. Um, I'm not there. Mm. <laughs> um, I think that some people would, some people are there though, and then that is our goal. Um, so looking at this, this slide, I always pause when I see this slide because um, I've seen this slide so many times in so many presentations at work. And when I first saw this two years ago, three years ago, I was, I hated that slide. I was so scared of that slide because I thought, we have infrastructure teams that they are saying this. They want to move to the cloud, but like, no way. No way is security going to allow it. Let them talk. It's going to go away. Um, and now I look at it, and it's just, of course. Of course, that's what we're doing. That's what we have to do to reduce cost. That's what we have to do to move products faster. We have to, to compete, we have to develop faster. We have to get new things out there um, and to be secure. Mm. I will admit it, like, we are more secure with cloud, and so we're, it's been a really interesting journey, and I do think it's been a three-year, just such a transformation in three years. I see. So in terms of you know, your applications, you know, would you say you're like 10% in the cloud or 20% or you don't have any metric? Like um, I would say we're 10% IS. Mm. Um, we do have a lot of SaaS, like as you mentioned, okay. um, but we are at that point, we're at a tipping point. Um, we're going public cloud end of the year, um, and that, I mean, that, to me, that's that tipping point. Once, once that happens, everybody's going. I mean, and, and we have, I know we have applications that are waiting, and we're going to have that, um, you know, automated processes um, and repeatable infrastructure, so it will go fast. Excellent. And then the, this is the first question that, you know, every company says, like, you know, should we be selective cloud or cloud only or cloud, um, you know, cloud only or cloud first? How many of you are cloud first? Wow. Wow, that's good. How many of you are cloud only, no, no more, no private. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And how many of you are still researching or you know, tentative or no cloud? I see. So hopefully by the end of this, uh, the, the session with Carrie's help, and um, if security is one of the barriers, hopefully we can address, address that. And Carrie, the second question, you know, when I you know, talk to customers, is like, you know, who leads the cloud journey? you know, in organizations or, or even from, you know, the security requirements, if security is one of the barriers. And do you have any dedicated cloud architecture team or, you know, how did you, how did you go about? Yeah, I'll, I'll share our experience. Um, again, it's not the ideal, I wish I could share something different. Um, we don't have a cloud architect team. Um, and I will say from being at this conference, I have heard so much about we need, we need solution architects, we need dedicated cloud solution architects. We don't have that. Um, for us, it was really the, the infrastructure teams and development teams that were leading cloud. Um, I mean, that's, that's the truth. That's what it was. Um, second would have been the CASB data protection team. So once, once we had the infrastructure teams leading that, we know it was happening. Um, I, I now manage a team, data protection engineering. Um, we're responsible for DLP and CASB. Um, and we caught up. So we were behind. We were absolutely behind. and not necessarily willing to go at first, um, but then we caught up. Um, cloud architect, like I said, the cloud architects for us, they're not there yet. Um, we need to be, but I, we definitely have other, like in my in data protection team, we're taking on that role. Like we know we need it, but we don't have a dedicated team. I see, I see the four constituents. You know, the first one is some organizations already have a cloud architecture team that are actually leading both application and also the security requirements. And then I see in organizations where, you know, they, if they already deployed a CASB, which is a cloud access security broker, or then they have a better handle on how to secure their data, what data needs to go into the public cloud, they're actually leading the cloud, you know, migration uh, more from the security standpoint. And then in some organizations, you know, it's your typical network security teams that try to, you know, take on the journey. And then in some cases, you know, it's just the applications team, you know, who are actually trying to move their applications. You know, they try to come up with, you know, some simple requirements and then they take on the journey. So how many of you are, have a dedicated cloud architect position in your organization? And how many of you are leading with the CASB or the data protection? 
Anybody where you let your applications define your own security? Well, that's, that's <laughs> And the third question that I see is, this is the um, biggest concern that I have. You know, like I said, until about you know, three years ago, you know, Carrie, everybody said, you know, cloud meant hell no, and security was the big barrier. And then the pendulum swung. Now, I s hear from the customers that we are on Amazon or we are on Office 365. That means we are 100% secure. So we are not really understanding the shared responsible model. What is Amazon responsible for? And what is Microsoft responsible for on Office 365? In fact, you know, if you look at the EULA, everybody will tell you that you know, if you are in a public you know, cloud IAS, you know, you're responsible for your configuration. You're responsible for your data. You're responsible for your network. Your responsibility is actually the types of controls that you need to do are a lot higher. And some of the examples, if you go configure your S3 buckets and make them writable, which I find when I do an audit. And some organizations, I actually even see their organization's root certs in S3 buckets that are publicly writable. Just imagine. Or you have your sensitive data, your application, um, your healthcare you know, um, you know, company, and your developers put the healthcare app with the PHI and the S3 buckets, and they don't really know how to configure the right permissions. Or you know, uh, in some examples, what we've also found out is people are putting, spinning up their SQL servers without no real configuration checks. And, and we found that so much where things are easy now. Um, from the developers, they, there's you know, those groups and they want to go to cloud and they want to be the first to do everything. I mean, it's easier and easier. So they're moving forward and you know, it's, we don't know necessarily in security, we are using McAfee, Sky High, Casby, and with IaaS, we find a lot of misconfigurations. And we have, you know, I find out, like, I get a report and there's a misconfigured SQL Server database. So I'm like, ah, oh, someone spun up a SQL Server database. Exactly that. We find other things from that report and then going back to the application teams. But because we're not saying no anymore, they're receptive to that. They, they just didn't know. They, they're fine changing the configuration. That's not a problem, but they just didn't know. I mean, now we're at that point where we're working together and it's not so siloed. So they are receptive to when I bring that report, you know, I'm kind of like, hey, I got you. And it, but it's different now. They're like, okay, Carrie, tell us what to do and they'll change it. Um, so it's really that education and that working together that has changed so much in the three years too. I think this is a big, you know, revelation for me. It's this cloud is actually creating better partnerships between the security and the line of business because we are not taking this hardline no position, but rather we are actually telling them how to be good security citizens. And how can you get your job done? And here's the data where you have the misconfigurations. This is how you fix it. Then they will do the job right. So if you were to say it's like no, don't move to the cloud, and we're not going to do it, they're going to find their way, and then we'll be in a much much uh, uh, worse position. The thing that I actually realized, and this is something that Gartner said, going forward, because of the shared responsibility controls, your security breaches or the compromises for your applications of data in the public cloud will not be because Amazon is not doing their job right. Amazon as a company or other cloud providers, most all the popular ones, they're doing, they're putting a lot of security precautions. But any security issues that you're gonna run into your organizations because we are not doing our job right. You know, configuring the, the S3 buckets and the SQL servers instances not correctly, not configuring the right network or not configuring the, the different, um, the, 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 on the shared responsibility stack identity and the data and so on and so forth. So now let's look at, okay, now that we know that there are some security challenges and, um, and, and, and the different ways, so what are the different mechanisms you know, on how to secure your workloads? You know, this is kind of a snapshot of our typical life cycle, the CI/CD life cycle that's happening in every one of the organizations. So this is no longer the, the agile model. We are continuously, you know, developing the applications, you know, continuously, you know, pushing, you know, these workloads into the public cloud. And, and, you know, there is a DevOps team and so on and so forth. This is like, you know, almost every day, even for, for McAfee Skaha in our own cloud service, you know, our teams, we are continuously pushing new builds almost every day. This is the life that we are all dealing with. In this environment, where you have a new build, new updates that are going into your production environment almost continuously, what are the different security challenges that you are faced with? Like first and foremost, you, know, you are looking at in your you know, public cloud infrastructure, 
how do I protect my you know, virtual instances to make sure that they don't have any threats of the malware, right? How do you make sure that none of my sensitive data in the S3 buckets or RDS or the different data stores, that my sensitive data is not compromised? How do I make sure that there are no east-west traffic vulnerabilities, the traffic that's happening you know, within my VPC or within my containers, you know, make sure that that's actually compliant and it doesn't have any workloads, right? And then you actually go back onto, the, onto the, your environment, the on-premise environment where you're actually building it, make sure that your own build machines are not even compromised or there are no vulnerabilities or threats that are coming into your DevOps you know, kind of a machine, right? So it's no longer just tethered to your public cloud environment. You need to actually secure the end-to-end -end, all the way from the build to the DevOps to the production workload. You need to have security woven into the full life cycle of your application development or the CI/CD, right? So carry anything that you see. Well, I'm gonna have a little tangent, perhaps. Yeah. When I look at this slide, it's interesting to see GitHub, um, and I'm just curious: Do most of you use GitHub in your development process? It's it's interesting interesting to me because as we're developing new policies for open source software, um, a lot of people want us to block GitHub, mm. and. I, I, I get it, right? I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, we're gonna block it. Let's block GitHub. And we see the activity looking at Shadow IT, but it's, it's a challenge for us to understand what is needed for the CI-CD pipeline. What do we need and how are we, again, we don't wanna block business. We don't wanna impact business. We wanna partner, but we have to keep up with understanding all of these different pieces so that we're not inadvertently doing that. So I think that's really interesting. Um, but we are, we are doing something so similar to this that you're showing you, where we're using containers, we're using Docker, Jenkins builds, um, and really working to get security to be integrated with that process. That's so now that we are dealing with this complex you know, process and that security needs to be integrated into all aspects of the CI-CD lifecycle, then how are we approaching the security? I mean, there is a story that I learned when I was a kid so it's called uh, elephant and the blind man. Right? A few blind men with an elephant. So um, if I look at the AWS security as the big elephant, then there are different vendors or the different class of solutions. You know, they all come in and say it's like whatever we do is, is the holy grail of the AWS security, the public cloud security. Right? So do you do any of you have any experience? You know, I'm sure you know many of you walked on the floor on the expo, and then you have seen you know solutions like you know, container security, micro-segmentation, you know, cloud service, you know, CSPM, configuration audit, or, you know, the firewalling, or the traditional malware. You know, I see at least, you know, six or seven different layers, and some people say software-defined perimeter. And for all of them, whatever they do is the holy grail of the AWS security. Do you have that feeling of the, the elephant and with fly few blind men where everybody comes in is like, hey, I'm touching the trunk and that's the that's the elephant. I'm touching the ear, that's the that's the elephant. Carrie, do you have that experience? We have that. Yeah. We do. Um, and I think that's interesting because it shows where we do still have some silos. Um, you know, looking at the, all this different vendor software, we've looked at a lot of it. Um, we have some of it, um, and yet we still have gaps. Um, so we we have different teams and yeah, and they spin up Twistlock or they spin up Tenable and that, that is, that's the holy grail, that's the best thing and, and that's the most important. Um, I think what it does for us though show where we still have silos. Yeah. We have different teams that are still spinning these up. They think that they found that holy grail, this is the product that's most important. They're gonna do what they need to do and then we're having like too many vendors or we have overlap or we have gaps. So it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, all these different areas. Yeah. About three years ago, it was all about micro-segmentation, you know, with, you know, Illumio and Cisco and VMware. That's all the, the cloud security actually meant. It's all about securing the network, you know, within the containers and within your VPC. And this is where we need to micro-segment your workloads, and, and that's what we need to do. And then in the last two years, this cloud security configuration management, Gartner now calls us CSPM where you need to do the configuration posture, look at the permissions of ES3 and all the, the, the VPC you know, resources and then make sure that they're compliant, right? And then um, the cloud providers themselves are providing the native controls. Like you know, Amazon announced the security hub yesterday. That's the first manifestation of the CSPM, like what the Palo Alto Evident or Redlock or the Checkpoint Dome 9 or the McAfee do. Now they're also adding some of these you know, configurations. 
and then the traditional vulnerability management they basically says like whatever they are doing is is the holy grail of the cloud security right and then the containers you know which is you know twist locks stack rocks or aquasack you know which is like you know the if you secure the container nothing else matter you don't need anything else because we can secure everything from the container right and then the the semantics and the and the threat management and so on and so forth so what we actually figured out is while we instead of doing a piecemeal can we actually understand the different layers that we need to secure in your workload and then how do we systematically approach the cloud security so this is the playbook that you know carry and our team you know partner together and we are trying to you know uh, implement you know for uh, for us bank and other customers i wish we had that 3 years ago <laughs> so so the way i look at it is you know if you look at the aws or the public cloud security there are about three layers that we need to look at the first one is the infrastructure or the configuration layer and the second one is your application of the workload workload layer and the third one is the data layer if you don't secure any one of them you don't actually get complete security i mean this is how you secured your applications within the data center you didn't have just the configuration audit or the vulnerability management so these are the three layers at a very simplistic level that you need to look at so now let's look at what do these layers actually mean so let's first look at the bottom layer the infrastructure and the configuration layer and also the data layer and then we'll get to the workload and the container right so if you look at the the infrastructure and the configuration what are some of the things that you need to look at i mean there are about 10 different things that you need to look at but if i want to focus on the top 5 things the first and foremost important thing is to make sure that you audit your you know vpc resources or what your resources on your aws account and make sure that they are compliant whether it's cis benchmark level 1 or level 3 or if you are in an organization like you know that is uh, needs to be compliant to either pci or hipaa make sure that your public cloud resources are compliant i mean if you don't have the configuration compliant like you know if your s3 buckets are configured properly and the sql server rds and so on and so forth all bets are off you might secure your network micro segmentation but your your front doors are wide open right and the second thing is you also need to get control of your rogue ios accounts what the configuration audit will only do is we can only audit the accounts that we know about but if your if your users are still going rogue and then spinning up their own instances then you will never achieve the complete security so while you are securing your managed known accounts you also need to govern or get to know about all the shadow aws accounts and then bring them into governance so this is where the shadow it and the managed you know, cloud security come together and the third thing is you also need to do the privileged you know audit of your administrative activity and then the fourth thing is you need to ingest the cloud trail logs and then make sure that you know you do uba make sure that there are no anomalies or any rogue behaviors that are happening right so these are some of the and then the last but not least is go and apply the dlp that you have for your on premise assets and also for your office 365 for your assets extend those same dlp policies for your data resources in the cloud whether it is s3 buckets or rds all the data stores so these are the five layers of security that you need for securing your infrastructure and the application and and the data layer it starts with configuration audit manage your rogue shadow it and then ingest your cloud trail logs and then make sure that you have you know privileged user administration any privileged user anomalies and then also any other you know anomalous activity that's happening within your um, you know vpc environment and then go to uh, extending the dlp so on that note you know carry you know is, is, is any of these use cases have, have you implemented or are you working on implementing we we have it's interesting um we started with dlp hmm. um so you know it was office 365 and and my team's jumping in and learning you know we're going to secure office 365 and we do dlp so that was actually our first use case and it was kind of interesting as we worked we sort of worked backwards um we did the office 365 dlp um looking at the um the the different threats and the activity is so interesting to me i kind of i term it reverse data engineering but seeing all of that data and then trying to understand what are people doing what's happening where is it coming from do we need different alerts or what are we missing so we that's kind of how we approached it it was the dlp then that activity monitoring really studying the data um and then we implemented shadow it so then we started understanding the rogue accounts um and and trying not to block them right trying not to stop it but trying to understand what they're using it for so that we can 
help them have it be you know something configured right and that we're approving of at the bank. And then now you're doing the configuration audit. And now we're doing the configuration, yep, I absolutely. I see. And was it useful for you to extend the same DLP policies that you have for Office 365 and applying them to S3 buckets? You know, did it simplify your work? It absolutely simplified it. And we use it for S3 buckets, for Azure Blobs, for Salesforce, ServiceNow. So just to have that, like they're already built. So that first part that took us so long, now that's done. Now we just click a little box and apply it to everything else. I think that's a big insight you know, you know, for me, which is from an organization standpoint, your security needs to be, as we said in the beginning, we need to do more of application the data centric. Your business data is sensitive, regardless of the same data is going to be sensitive, whether it's in the S3 bucket, whether it's in OneDrive, whether it's in SharePoint, whether it's in Salesforce, or different sources. So having that consistent DLP extended all the way from you know, the SaaS and the, and the public cloud is actually is a, is a good thing. And one thing we do too is like, like for Salesforce, um, we use Salesforce Shield for encryption, but we need to find the data that's sensitive and not encrypted. So we've had people say, hey, we encrypt our data. You don't need to run DLP. And there was a big push with that. Um, and then we ran DLP and we're able to show that, yes, you're using encryption, that's awesome, that's great, but you still do have some sensitive data that you haven't encrypted those fields or someone uploaded attachments or they did some email to case and there's sensitive data there. So to kind of show, to help people understand that even though they have some compensating controls, there might be something missing. I see. And then, you know, in your experience, you know, if you're not comfortable sharing, but when you did the DLP to S3 buckets or other public cloud data sources, did you have any surprising results? Nothing. Oh, no, I'm so <laughs> we, no, we absolutely, we, we absolutely did. Um, yeah, I won't share all the details, but we, we had interesting results. That's okay. all I'll say. Yeah. So if you were to start fresh, mm. Would you start from number one and then go down to, it looks like you started at number five, started with the data and then you're trying to move up. If you were to start fresh, would you start from the configuration audit and then you know, the, the threat manage the rogue, you know, shadow IT and then go to the DLP? I, I would if we started fresh, if we had that playbook. But I also don't, it, it works, right? So don't be afraid to not do it perfect. Just move forward and, and do what makes sense for you. I wish we had the playbook. I wish I had these numbered and could have approached it that way. Um, but approach it. Either, you know, regardless, approach it. We, we got there, and fortunately, nothing bad happened. <laughs> so then the, the next layer is the middle layer. I mean, this is like the, your application of the workloads. You know, this is where the containers and, and so on and so forth. And when you look at the, the workloads and the containers, so this is where it gets a little bit more tricky. We are not just looking at the data or looking at the, the, the IS resources configuration. So this is where we are getting deeper into the, the application, or the container, or the images, you know, looking at you know, the security groups, you know, how are they configured, and then you know, making sure that you have the right policies and, the, and you know, your images within the container, you know, making sure that there are no vulnerabilities and, 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 and that there are no, no threats or the malware, and making sure that you, know, you can actually you know, do the anti-malware on the images. And, and then you know, securing the network, you know, the east-west traffic and the north-south. Right? So these are some of the use cases that I see in terms of the security workloads. And you know, most of them have some kind of a lightweight agent kind of a footprint that gets you know, shimmed into your container image so that you have continuous protection and so on and so forth. So how many of you are doing container security right now, container workload security? And, and, and Carrie, I, I know you, you probably started with container security first, even before you did the, the configuration <laughs> and the data. I did everything backwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we are using containers. I see. Any, any experiences um, on we, what are you primarily using it for? You know, is it more for image vulnerability scanning or security groups and you know, making sure that your policies are consistent or the network, you know, um, network protection? So for container, I mean, our developers are using containers for everything. We're putting databases in containers, the applications in containers. Um, we're using, we've used Twist Slack, mm -hmm. right? So that's something that the application team went out and bought and used that for securing containers as well. But then, so now, just now we're starting to look at that from a CASB perspective. So now, when we simplify the three layers, the infrastructure and the configuration, the data, and then the workloads, so what does a, a complete solution stack is going to look like? So here is something that we put together. You know, I hopefully, regardless of the vendor you choose, I hope you know, this serves as a good reference architecture for you. On the left-hand side, you know, what are the, the layers that you, need to, uh, that you need to secure? At the top more is the, the compute, the interconnect you know, within your VPC, 
And then um, the third one is the platform, or is, which is more about the, the data and the configuration. And the services that you need, the first and foremost is, um, you know, whether you start from left to right or right to left, you know, you need to make sure that you have a data protection service that's combined, you know, perhaps, you know, is one unified data protection service all the way from device to your internal host to SaaS and the, and the, and the, and the public cloud. And the second one is you need to have a configuration drift management. You know, at the time when the application is provisioned, make sure that your, your workloads are compliant with either CIS or PCI or uh, the benchmark configurations. And then this is not a one-time thing. You need to be continuously auditing the configurations, making sure that you know, when, when there is a new build that got pushed, you know, incremental thing, you, know, you want to make sure that there is no drift that happened. This drift and configuration management needs to be continuous, not as a one-time audit or a weekly audit. And then the third one is you need to have um, the, the, the threat protection as a service. And the last one is you need to have analytics and ML. So these are the four services that you need across the three layers, which is the, the compute layer, at the interconnect layer, and also at the platform layer. And then there are different pieces, like you know, what are the things that you need you know, at the platform layer? We, you, know, you need to have the, the traditional networking and the segmentation. You need to have you know, at the, um, at the um, uh, and then you know, endpoint protection and the EDR and so on and so forth, whether on the data protection side, you need to have DLP and, and possibly encryption and, and DRM as, as uh, you know, things you, know, um, you, know, you permit. And then on the analytics and ML standpoint, you need to have UBA. Both, and if you can extend that UBA from the public cloud, and then if you can integrate it with the UBA on the, on the SaaS side, and even perhaps on the enterprise side, you'll actually get a better, better anomalies. And then, many of you said, you know, except for one, many of you said you are in the hybrid you know, cloud environment, on-prem and this stuff. You need to have an infrastructure that can actually secure you know, consistently you know, all the way from on-prem to the cloud. So this is a reference tag you know, from a you know, McAfee standpoint, you know, some of you have been our customers for a long time. So the tools that we have built on the endpoint and the on-prem infrastructure, now with the Sky High acquisition, we've extended that into, into, the, into the public cloud as well. So any experiences you know, carry on how you are integrating or unifying your on-prem to the cloud infrastructure from a security? So we, are, we have not integrated yet, um, and that makes our work a lot harder. So we have to update policies on-prem and then in the cloud. We will be integrated and we can't wait, but we have not started that yet. So this is uh, kind of a little bit of you know, how McAfee approached this, you know, the way the, the layers that we cover, like you know, we have you know, segmentation, we have the DLP engine all the way from you know, device to the SaaS to the cloud, and then we have the EDR functionality, which, um, and then the UBA that you know, covers all the, the, and then we have a cloud workload protection that provides the micro-segmentation and the workload security. And then we have the CSPM that actually checks for the drift and the configuration management uh, for, all, for all your AWS resources. So with that, what I wanted to do is give you a quick overview on what McAfee and the SkyHigh is all about and then how we can partner with you in your cloud journey on, on the AWS and also on the SaaS side. And then we will open up in about five or 10 minutes for, for uh, questions towards the end. So about McAfee Cloud Business, SkyHigh Sky Networks, you know, we started in end of 2012. You know, we were found, uh, funded by two of the top tier VC firms, you know, Greylock and Sequoia. So these are the VC firms that uh, uh, built Palo Alto Networks, FireEye, and so on and so forth. When we started the journey in 2013, except for a few customers, everybody else was you know, cloud held now. The problem that we were solving at the time is to give the customers the visibility about the shadow IT and give the contextual risk assessment, how much of that usage, what is the risk. And then some of our larger customers started using some of the, uh, the business SaaS services, like an Office 365 box, Salesforce. And then our focus has shifted into how do we secure your data and your usage in, in the SaaS services. Then um, in about 2015 or 2016, some of our largest financial services, they were moving about 50 apps a day to Amazon. And they came to us and they basically said, you know, the platform that you built, how you're securing your Office Receive Salesforce, can you also secure my applications in the AWS? That's when we launched our first uh, IAS product for Amazon Web Services. You know, started with configuration audit and the extending the DLP and the infrastructure and the, and the data layer controls. And, and this journey, we are the first platform that brought 
the SaaS security, shadow IT security, and the, and the public cloud security into one, one platform. And then, of course, towards the end of last year, there was also a, a big analyst bake-off. You know, the Gartner, IDC, and Forrester, they all evaluated all the Caspi platforms. Fortunately, we've been recognized as a leader by all the three. And, and, um, and, and then, of course, McAfee acquired us. And after the acquisition of the McAfee, our pace of acceleration into the public cloud security only accelerated. You know, before only we were only focusing on the infrastructure and the data layer, but we had that missing component of securing the workloads. Whereas McAfee, they already were working on securing the containers and the workload and internet for traffic with our IPS and so on components. Now all of them came into one unified platform. So this is how we are able to put together the best, you know, um, the cloud security platform end-to-end. -end. And we would love to partner with many of you. And this is, um, um, you know, we are super, super thrilled, you know, to have, you know, U.S. Bank and many large organizations in different verticals around the world uh, partner with us and in their cloud journey. And this is, um, you know, what um, um, the end of last year result, you know, Gartner, IDC, and Forrester recognizing our leadership position in uh, securing the cloud. So, Carrie, I'm going to um, start with you. So, you know, share what are some of the takeaways on what are the things that you don't want to do? You know, particularly in the context of public cloud security. Um, I, will, I will step back a little bit and say that for us, one of the things that we, we definitely don't want to do when we started was to implement this, right? Implement the product where we're doing the right thing, but then we didn't know what to do with the data, right? So, so making sure that we're thinking from end to end. So now that we've implemented this, that's great, but then what? You know, who's going to look at the output? How, what are the alerts going to be? How are we going to remediate? Um, so for me, that was one of the biggest takeaways was not just understanding what we need to, to implement, but how are we going to use it? And what are we going to do with that, that end-to-end piece of it? One thing that resonated with me while we have a playbook on start here, infrastructure, data, here the one to five use cases, the one message that you said is, you know, you don't have to have a perfect playbook all the time. You know, the, the best part is because your developers are not holding up. They're actually moving their applications, you know, at a pace that we cannot imagine. So the one thing that I took away is even if you could start at some level, whether it's a CSPM or the container, whatever the layer, just get started and get mm -hmm. on the, your security journey and then connect with your peers and you know attend you know some of these forums and you know whether it's Amazon or us or other other players in the space and try to expand your horizon about what are all the things that we need to secure then you can come up with your own prioritization we're all here to share what we learned collectively this is not something that you know McAfee put together on our own this is how we partner with many customers and this is one playbook so all of you I hope you know this is useful for you in, in, in approaching your security. But if you have you know any other learnings, we would love to hear from you on things that work for you and things um, that definitely did not for you. On that on that note, any questions that anybody has? Go ahead. Um, we looked at a lot of vendors. Um, so when we we were moving to Office 365, I didn't, I honestly didn't even know what CASB meant. That's the, that's the truth. So I had to study like what is CASB. I, I did a ton of studying. Um, we did a proof of concept with four different vendors, um, and we did um, a scorecard. You know, so we did a lot of reference calls. We did the proof of concept, the scorecard, and SkyHigh was the winner of the scorecard. Um, yeah, I have. And I will say this honestly, like I don't have any regrets. Do I think there's other CASBs that were good? I do. I do. Um, I think that some might have pros and cons. Um, but Scott, I will say, they have been amazing to work with from a customer support perspective. I can't say enough about it where we, are, we could be on the phone with them every day. We have a question, they'll, they'll send us a WebEx, we get on a call. I mean, to me, that has been one of the biggest benefits where my team is learning about cloud. A lot of us in security are still learning about cloud, learning what to do. We have a ton of questions. 
Um, we have feature requests, lots of feature requests, but it's been amazing. So um, the fact that it was easy for us to stand up, and when we were stuck, they, they, they stuck by us and helped us get to that endpoint. To me, that was huge. Um, so no regrets. Yeah. So one thing that I would add to this is uh, when we started the journey, in fact, we were biased against, right? You know, for many of the customers, they already have Palo Alto, they have a web security gateway, they have, you know, a DLP solutions and so on and so forth. There was a lot of resistance on why bring yet another vendor? This is a small company like Sky High, right? But then what customers realized is the cloud, you know, the CASB and the security is a different beast. There is a new approach and it's no longer a network-based control. You need to do APIs and different, different things. That's when they warmed up to having a separate platform. And we are not just the only company, there are 10 other companies, right? But the bias has always been, even now today, every customer is asking their existing vendors to offer this capability. And they are actually sometimes not even looking for best of breed. Only when the difference is about, you know, by orders of magnitude, that's when they are actually trying to bring something. And I'll tell you, when we started the journey, we only had shadow IT and some limited capabilities for Office 365. Once you become a partner, you are a vendor, the customers ask you to deliver more and more capabilities. Like for example, the IAS security, the AWS security, again, there were like small startups that came in. And the customer said, I would rather have my CASB platform deliver these capabilities than introduce yet another vendor. Now the bias, what customers are actually telling, even McAfee, they force McAfee to go buy a CASB company or they force Palo Alto to go buy a company because from a customer standpoint, the ease of management, ease of platform from one vendor, one unified console that far outweighs, the benefits far outweigh than having 20 different consoles doing 20 different niche functionality, right? Only when there's absolutely a big gap in the coverage that's when the new market category comes in, whether it was FireEye in the old days or you know, the breach reduction system or the CASB. But once you become the platform, if you only do limit yourself to just doing one thing, you will quickly you know, move out of being the strategic role. That's the reason why our CASB platform has evolved. And then we quickly realized CASB by itself is not good enough. We need to provide that end-to-end -end security. Now being part of McAfee, we provided that security platform. Any other questions? Go ahead. Sorry, but there's apologies in advance. This might also be one of those slightly unfair questions. Um, we see Amazon stepping into creating a marketplace and getting partners who do this, who, who do perform a service, and then going, that's nice, now we're just going to do it ourselves. Yeah. Do you guys see this as a potential role where Amazon's going to come in and say, we got this? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. So, Carrie, uh, you know, I'll actually <laughs> address it one. from the vendor <laughs> one, right? You know, just yesterday, they announced Security Hub. It actually has the configuration security mm -hmm. posture management that we ourselves do it. Palo Alto bought two companies, Evident Redlock, they do it, Checkpoint Dome 9. We're all partners. We have our capability, but Amazon is also getting into that. In fact, you know, Amazon yesterday came into our booth and talked about you know, their own thing. So we are partnered at the same level. But from a customer standpoint, like we said, is CSPM the only capability that you that you need, or do you need the full you know the public cloud security? So would Amazon get into providing that entire stack? Possibly yes. So I think you know I'm not too worried. I'm, I actually view Amazon as a partner. They are actually helping in terms of the market education that you need these you know these need components. But from an organization standpoint, if I look at US Bank, for them Amazon Web Services is not the only cloud service that they have. They have Office 365, they have Salesforce, they're also using Azure Blob, right? Mm -hmm. While Amazon may provide a DLP engine that's built in the AWS, can you actually take that Macy's and connect to your Office 365? The answer is no. So as your organization's cloud footprint is, there is more entropy in terms of your SaaS services into your shadow IT, and in sometimes even in your public cloud, you have a hybrid cloud environment with multiple providers. You need that one neutral, you know, horizontal platform that can provide the consistent visibility. Otherwise, just imagine doing DLP for AWS resources and go to a different DLP engine for, you know, Office 365, go doing something else for this, and then repeating the same for UBA. That'd be too much complexity. Having said that, for some of those customers, and by Amazon getting into it, it actually, Amazon to me represents excellence. They will make sure that we are constantly innovating. And for some customers, if they are only limited to Amazon, whatever they give, you know, that's a choice. 
So I'm not too worried about it. You know, for me, this is an opportunity for all of us to actually continue to deliver the best of you know, uh, you know, best in terms of our capabilities. I'll actually share a story. Um, so I've loved this conference, and every night I go back to the hotel and I'm emailing people at work and like, I learned about this, and we have to check this. And I mean, I get pretty geeked out and excited. Um, and I was talking about we, you know, the the Sky High IS for AWS and the integration with Security Hub, and our application that's going to public cloud end of the year. I'm nervous about it. And I said, well, you know, here's the things that we need to do yet. Here's what we're looking at. And one of the, the developers, you know, emailed me back and said, but Carrie, for sure, Amazon has this stuff available natively. I don't know. You know, and, and I said that they might. I said, but let me send you an, an, an email and a spreadsheet output from all of our alerts that we've gathered. And this developer was shocked. It was all the misconfigurations that we found just from this integration that's been less than two weeks. So yeah, Amazon might have that data that he was talking about natively. Again, I don't know, but I don't know who manages that. From a security perspective, I need to see that and not have like developers managing that or somebody else. Like I, I don't know. Um, and they hadn't found all these things that we found in without trying, honestly, without trying. We just clicked all the CIS policies. Um, so just to have that evidence and say, you might be right, but look what I have here, you know. And and that was enough. They're like, oh, that this is amazing, you know. And they were shocked, and 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 we're moving forward from there. So, yeah. I think you know the same thing is you know the Amazon had got duty for more than a year right now, and then they launched in Security Hub, you know, just yesterday, right? That's uh, configuration management. In fact, you know, I want them to. In fact, we even brainstorm on how we can partner together. So some of the, if you use our service, you know, the alerts that we are doing, we are actually feeding it through their own SOAR platform, like a uh, Aero, right? Like you know how we. So we have collaboration. They are feeding their stuff to us. It ultimately comes down to you as an organization having that consistent you know, architecture, having that architecture, right? Like what Carrie said, I need to have a unified DLP across all my data sources, right? And that's able to, so they already implement DLP for Office Radio Salesforce, they simply pointed that to S3. Mm -hmm. Now if you approach it from just the Amazon standpoint, you will still be approaching it in a siloed way. So again, um, we are providing a reference architecture, how we all can, that's the reason why I listed this architecture of all the blocks that you need, and then it's up to you how you're gonna fulfill these plugs, you know, with some functionality that come nating from Amazon, from other people. What we are sharing is, this is all you need, this is how we are gonna solve the puzzle for you, from McAfee's side, right? And some of the, in some areas where we don't have, you know, we're gonna tell you that, you know, this is, you, you, you need to get, you know, from somebody. Any other questions? Once again, you know, Carrie, it's always been a pleasure, you know, listening thank to your you. insights and operational experiences. Thank you so much. And all of you, thank you for uh, attending our session and have a wonderful uh, rest of the show. Thank, thank you. you.